baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Uh, well, we found this built. We live in the neighborhood over uh, in Tower Grove, uh, a couple blocks from here, and we found the um, building. Had some apartments upstairs that needed reno, and so we took care of that. And then we had this retail space, and we thought, what do we love? And we love old stuff, and we love fixing fixing stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we just kind of went with that, started the brick lore. How did you gather all these things to make an antique store? Where, do they, where does stuff come from? First, to furnish the, the fittings for the store, we went to alleyways and dumpsters, and we <laughs> got stuff out of the garbage, and we put things together that way. So that was getting the store fitted out. Then after that, we started going to lots of auctions, estate sales, and we continued to go through the alleys and find pieces of furniture that need fixing up, that sort of thing. We really like to repurpose. Also raiding parents' basements. (laughs) Sure, sure. Happened a little bit too. (laughs) Really? Wow. I would not have imagined that would be the answer, dumpsters and basements, but I guess that makes sense. Attics and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So once you got going, did you find that people were – Wanting to donate things or sell you things? Sell us things, yeah. We got people coming in all the time um, wanting to sell us things. They have a relative that's passed away or they're downsizing and they're cleaning out their old houses. And so a lot of times we'll go and, and look at their properties and pick out the things we want. And, uh, yeah, we find a lot of good stuff that way. Yeah. So what are some of the highlights, David, of this place? Like some of your favorite pieces, just to give people an idea of what kinds of things they'll find here. Well, Andy is... a uh, a lamp repair person also so we do lamp repair here and he makes some uh lamps from scratch that are just awesome he he creates them out of industrial materials puts them together they're very artistic very interesting looking lamps so i'd say that's one of my favorite things we also have a lot of local art um hanging on the walls here so i love that and then i just love anything that's old and got and then that uh, has a nice patina on it anything with good design that's what i like well, Andy, you gave me a little bit of a tour, so I saw a couple things I thought were interesting. First of all, the lamps are incredible, and I will definitely post photos <clears throat> on Instagram of those. There was also a, a wonder horse that you had mounted on the wall, and it had like Chinese checkers pieces around it. It was really interesting. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, that's uh, the wood is from a table. That's like a leaf, that a spare leaf piece, and then it's a wonder horse that I cut it in half. And since I do lamp repair, I have access to good lamp parts, so I uh, ordered a nice set of uh, string lights, uh, quality ones, and created this lamp from those. Yeah. And the art that's on the walls, you said that almost all of it is from your mother who passed away? Correct. Uh, her name was Mary Nichols, uh, or Croom, or Holman, and um, she was great, but yeah, she passed away a couple years ago, and I inherited about 450 paintings, and we've been slowly selling them in the shop. But pretty successfully. I would imagine. I mean, they're beautiful. So I would think they would sell well. Now, the other part of the business here is cameras. Correct. And I mean cameras, plural. (laughs) I can't tell you how many cameras are in this shop. I can't either. (laughs) I have no idea how many are here anymore. Well, you said, including what you have at home, you might have 1,500 cameras? Probably so, yeah. I have to just guess at this point, but I know I had about 500, and I would say within a year I've probably bought 1,000 from people bringing them in. And how far back are we talking? What kind of cameras? 
Um, back to the 18, late 1800s, probably all the way until probably 1990s. We don't carry any digital. Everything is all film. And I should add, we sell film. So we do have an account. So we sell brand new stock, Ilford, Kodak products. But yeah, just a wide range of all over the place, really. Anywhere from 1890s to 1990s. Wow. Some of the ones you can put your you know, like head under the hood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tons of those. We probably got about, gosh, I don't know. There's probably 20 or 30 of those in here that you can do that with. So there, there's a lot. Now, you can get the film... Uh, can you get it processed? Correct. Uh, Schiller's in town. They do processing, which is great. They've been there a really long time. I thought about doing processing, but I don't want to compete with them, and I really want them to stay in business. So I thought it was important to make sure all the processing is done locally there because I think that's good for them. And how many of these cameras actually work versus being just like display pieces? display pieces? I would say probably two-thirds of them work, and there's about a third that don't. So the ones that don't work are always relatively inexpensive, um, just easy, nice display pieces, which I get a lot of customers that just want to buy a neat-looking camera to stick on their shelf. Sure, yeah. sure, I can see that. I mean, these are really cool-looking. So uh, the ones that do work, uh, what are some of your favorite type of cameras to use? Personally, I love to shoot 4x5, 4x5-inch uh, large format negatives. Um, I love Speed Graflex um, Super D's, Series D, uh, a lot of these types of cameras. They're old, like uh, press cameras from uh, back in the day, back in the probably 20s, 30s, 40s. That's what I prefer the most. You're definitely not speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> but but I find I love photography. I love the end result. And I love taking pictures, but you know, I don't know how to use these fancy cameras. I mean, I've gotten used to my phone. The phone is easy, but uh, these cameras, they're not really, they're really not hard. I mean, I feel the same way about digital cameras. I do not understand them. I bought one during the pandemic and I do not understand how to use all the features and all the buttons. It's just a lot for me. And I prefer the simpleness of film cameras. I mean, they're pretty simple. You got your shutter speed, your aperture, your ISO, and you're good to go. What kinds of people come in looking for cameras are we talking professional photographers or it's really all over the place um i always like to mention there's a 14 year old guy that comes in and he's shooting eight millimeter he's shooting three by four large format it's very very nice young man and then we've got people all the way in their probably mid to late 70s who are coming in and buying cameras still so it's really all over the place which is great it's been really cool to see how many people uh, are coming in all the different faces and meeting a lot of new friends too which has been also a lot of fun do you have on display anywhere photographs that are taken with these cameras or or have people shown you photographs they've taken with the cameras a little bit of people have shown me some stuff yeah that happens every once in a while and i, I always would love to see any pictures from it that anyone's taking that bought a camera from here as far as me using them, there's so many that I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> um, but it would be an, uh, it would be really cool if I could shoot everything that came through the door and show test results. But film is a little expensive, processing is a little expensive, and so to do that with over 1,500 cameras is just too expensive. <laughs> for, yeah, for me to do myself. Andy is um, a very helpful person when it comes to people uh, who come in and buy cameras and don't know what they're doing. We get a lot of that. They're, they're new to it, but they're interested in doing it, and Andy walks you through everything. So if you're interested in film photography and you don't really know anything about it, come on in and Andy will talk to you for as long as you need to to get you started. <laughs> he really will. Well, it's, I have sat here for hours with one person just talking, I mean, and even not even with help, but just us photo nerds like to just talk photo, and it happens. Well, you mentioned the 14-year-old kid. 
Uh, I would think, you know, when you think about vinyl records, mm -hmm. how popular they've become, people are always going retro, always going back sure. to things decades earlier. So is there sort of, you, do you think that there's sort of a trend right now yeah. of people yes. going back to these cameras? Definitely. Film cameras are really big right now. Um, and that's why I decided to open up STL Vintage Camera because I had about 500 and I was like, well, I better start selling some of these. <laughs> But it backfired, and now I have about 1,500. So you told me that you still want to buy cameras, despite the fact that you have 1,500 of them. Why? I'm addicted to them, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. There's always really cool ones out there, and I want to see what's out there. And if people have them in their basement, in their attic, anywhere, I would love to see what you have. Um, I'm always buying... You can call me at the number that's associated with STL Vintage Camera. It's 314-269-3393. Uh, and uh, you can call me anytime, and uh, you can send texts to that uh, number, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. But I'm always looking for cameras. The value of them is obviously all over the place. I've got cameras in here from $2 all the way to 1200 So if you got some laying around and you want to get rid of them or sell them, I am available. Why do you love cameras? Well, my mom was an art teacher, and I feel like art was around me all the time. <laughs> I wasn't so good at a lot of the other, you know, painting, drawing, sculpture, all that kind of stuff. I tried it all, and it, it was, I like it all, but I wasn't I didn't wasn't drawn to it. And then I think photography was one that just resonated more with me. Um, it also helped that I got a job out of college working at a photo lab, so all my processing and prints were free. So that obviously played a big part in it as well. But then uh, with the digital switch, like I mentioned, everyone started selling their cameras, and I was buying, and I just kind of got hooked. And I've always been a collector of anything I get into, so it just kind of snowballed from there. And you can create with these cameras that are decades old, some back to the 1890s, you said, you can create photographs that are just like you would see today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's it kind of reminds me, there's people that come in all the time and they ask me, they're looking for that vintage look. And that's really confusing to me because I don't really know how to explain that because there's cameras from the 1800s that take pictures like cameras today. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for me to understand what they mean by that. I found out what they usually are talking about are bad cameras <laughs> and they want cameras that take bad quality images. And that's what reminds them of their childhood or pictures that they see are these, you know, poorly made cameras that take these unique images, which are not bad, but there are cheap, you know, non-professional cameras, but they do have a unique look to them, which is trendy and which, and they do look cool. I mean, I, I like them. It reminds me of my childhood as well. David, uh, what are some of the trends right now in antiques? Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, we saw a lot of mirrors with really interesting frames. Our furniture is all pretty rustic. We don't, like, have anything to a real high finish. We like things with a bit of patina on it. Um, just we want things to show their age. Anything that's copper seems to be really pop popular. And we saw a lot of studio pottery as well. So any um, kinds of vases, pots, pictures that are signed on the bottom look handmade handcrafted items that seems to be the thing natural materials natural materials now and we always tr talk about how we we prefer to be inexpensive we don't like we don't want to be a like high-end antique store we prefer that have a shop we want everybody in the neighborhood to be, to be able to just come on in and yeah. buy a couple things so we what? try to keep our prices really reasonable so what's maybe your most expensive item Probably that big camera in the front window. Oh, yeah. How much is that? 2200 2, But that's really awesome. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> that's uh, but we have lots of stuff that is like a dollar. So, oh, lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have tons of gift items from a dollar to 
you know, super affordable stuff too. And it's really unique stuff. So if you want something that's, you want to give a gift that is not something they're going to find somewhere else, this is a good place to come for that. And then, uh, you know, a lot of knickknacks, people like yes. to collect things, put them on shelves, I assume. Yeah. And, know, and I am finding that I, I think people like these little things because a lot of people are living in smaller spaces. And so they buy just a couple little things, a little mirror, uh, some small candlesticks, a little piece of pottery, something like that. Yeah. Man, I was just looking over here. Uh, there's so many camera straps and camera bags, and man, you got a lot of cameras. There's, I got a book recently that a friend of mine gave me, and it's just, it's full of, it's almost every single camera. I mean, the person who made the book can't even find them all. Every he comes out with a new one every couple of years because he discovers new cameras, and it's just full. Like I've never seen so many in my life, even like in in you know pages of books. Um, so I'm not anywhere near having as many as there are out there in the world. <laughs> he doesn't there. have all the cameras. No, I do not. Not even close. There is there is a lot of them out there. Yeah. Is there anybody else in town who's doing this? I heard that there's an antique mall somewhere. It's got a, someone's got a booth with a few cameras in it, but, I mean, nothing this level. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say. Mean, and Schiller's has some used cameras, but, not again, not as many as I do. Yeah. They, they tend to stick more to, like, high-end pro-level stuff, and um, I have anything <laughs> and again the, the thing about this is if you go to an antique mall and buy a camera that's fine but if you come here and buy a camera you can talk to the person who can tell you how it's working what you should be doing i mean he what talks you through everything so you are not on your own at all so. and we accept returns and things like that so how did you learn to use all these different cameras well they're all very much the same. I mean okay. with film cameras again, like I said earlier, shutter speed, aperture, and ISO. And then just using a light meter to discover what, you know, your white reading should be and then put the camera on the right settings and you're good to go. It's really, really basic. Um, it's really not so hard at all. I don't know. I remember it being a little more difficult than that, but okay. <laughs> <I'm a> terrible, <laughs> I myself am a terrible photographer, so I am I am with you. Andy makes it sound easy and he really is a very talented photographer as well. But I also love that you have you're creating other things like the uh, tub full of what were those? Uh, telephone pole insulators. <laughs> but the electric yeah. insulators. Yeah. Yeah. That, that tub used to be where we put um, refreshments when we did art, art openings. Yeah, that but was the tub our big was ice so bucket. heavy. We were like, well, we can't move this thing. So we put lights at the bottom, filled it with insulators, and it's just a good display at this point. Well, I'll have plenty of photos and uh, come on down. Cherokee Street, 3400 mm-hmm. Cherokee Street. Yeah, we're at the corner of Louisiana and Cherokee at the new roundabout. The Brick Lore, and also St. Louis Vintage Camera, David Montgomery, Andy Holman. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much. We appreciate Pleasure it. Please come down. Yeah, this place is awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.